I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I'm Jody Whites, your professional and life coach, making sure that your life is nothing short of spectacular. I'm here with Hesha Abrams. Hi, Hesha. Hi, Jody. It's great to have you here. I'm so excited. My pleasure. Yay. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Hesha. Hesha Abrams is a professional peacemaker, an internationally acclaimed master attorney mediator, negotiator, and author, known for crafting highly creative settlements and resolutions in a very difficult matters. With 30 plus years in the trenches of resolving human conflict, she has recently distilled her skills into an easy to use toolkit. Her new book, Holding the Calm, The Secrets to Resolving Conflict and Diffusing Tension. Through stories and examples, she shares her secrets, enabling anyone to learn how to approach tense situations to prevent explosions, disarm conflicts, and reduce drama. It is her mission to help make our world, our businesses, and our relationships less acrimonious and more harmonious. That's great. I love that. Have you always been interested in keeping the peace? Maybe in the family, were you the one, you know, always the peacemaker between mom and dad or mom and sister when they were in a fight? No, that's what makes this so interesting. No, I am a hot, fiery, conflict-oriented personality. <laughs> I am uh, Xena, warrior princess. You know? <laughs> all the way. I was a litigator. I did business oh, litigation when women didn't do that. You know, they would say, oh, women, you can do like some family law stuff or whatever. Mm, it's like, right. oh, I did hard, intense business litigation. So I've mm. been a very intense personality. And what I found is it takes an old warrior to know how to be a real peacemaker mm. because, you know, the kumbaya stuff <laughs> only works with about 10 to 15% of the people. Oh, yeah. And when it works, it's beautiful. It uplifts and it's lovely. And we sing Kumbaya and the flowers bloom and life is great. But what about the 80 to 85% of the people that it either doesn't resonate with or they're tigers in the jungle that just eat you or burn down your house or destroy things? That's called real life. And mm -hmm. that's what I do as a mediator. I go into really hard, harsh conflict situations and when people are traumatized or intense, you know, it, it, you can't use logic, reason, and rationale. Those are the worst tools you could possibly use. So everyone listening to this, everybody's listening is thinking right now of somebody who they think is either an idiot, a narcissist, <laughs> a psychopath, a moron, a power grabber, a fill-in-the-blank adjective. Yeah. And it's a coworker, it's a family member, it's a neighbor, it's a church or synagogue or mosque goer. 
How are, how are you supposed to deal with those kind of people? Well, these are some of the tricks of how you deal with real live conflict and real life situations to not make yourself crazy and not have to run away all the time. Right. And, and I love, I love how you're allowing the tools and tips in this book to apply to relationships, to divorce mediation, to corporate, um, you know, arguments, because it sounds like, and I'm reading this book, you have done that all. And when you enter into a mediation situation, you're, you're ready to pounce, you're ready to blame your, you know, your the emotions are high. So I love the name holding the calm. It's, it's great. So Hesha, you know, I want to jump into some situations um, that you state in the book, but um, one of them is, you know, I don't know where, where to start, but dealing with bad behavior, because that is, I think we, when, you know, when we're tense and the emotions on high, we tend not to be our best self. So can you give me a little bit of a background of how to deal with people who are name calling, who are crying, who are shouting and more? Yeah, all of that. So let's talk about a couple of things. Chapter one of the book is speak into the ears that are hearing you. You don't treat everybody the same. And rather than make that a bromide, let me make it easy for everybody. Would you speak to an introvert the same way you would speak to an extrovert? Everybody's going, of course not. And yet, isn't that what we do? How about a big picture person versus a detail specific person? We would talk to them differently, right? How about a thinking person versus a feeling person? Shouldn't we talk to them differently? So the first part about holding the calm is having power, because that's one of the things I've learned with 30 years in the decade, in the, in the trenches of this kind of stuff, is that if you're powerless, you're prey. That's just what it is. And a predator <laughs> will show up. So you have to have boundaries. You have to have your guard up. You have to be protective. And at the same time, protect your soft candy center and your soft heart, you know, la, la, la. All that good stuff is true. And the world is a jungle and there are predators. Um, so how do, and, and the predators who may want to eat you or just steal your food. So how do you handle this and what do you do? So the reason I call the book Holding the Calm is it's literally what I do when I get triggered, when I get hot, I stop and I say to myself, I'm holding the calm, I'm holding the calm, I'm holding the calm. And the reason why it works is that we all have something called an amygdala. It's two small kidney-shaped organs in the back of the brain, just above the brainstem. It's the fight, flight, or freeze response. And when it gets triggered, the prefrontal cortex, which is behind the forehead, shuts down and goes dark. It does not think, it does not analyze, it does not understand. Mm -hmm. It's not capable of doing that because it's operating out of this amygdala type of a thing. So what's the number one thing the amygdala goes through when it gets triggered is feeling powerless. Mm. Now, powerless doesn't make you a victim. It may be that Jody, you're not doing something I want you to do. Maybe I'm bullying you mm. and you're not doing something I want, or I'm not doing something you want, 
or someone's grabbing power from me, or someone's trying to harm me, or someone's trying to take from me, or I'm just not getting my own way. So really sounds fear-based. You know, Very all much. these, I, I'm losing something. I'm, I'm getting something taken away. I'm being attacked. Um, it really goes back to the fear response if you break it all down. And it's not even, I want to make sure so we don't kumbaya it. It's not just yeah. the victims. It's the people that are aggressive mm. are also in a, just do what Absolutely. I tell you to do. Right. <laughs> just wh why are you fighting me? Mm. You know, my point of view is right. Think about self-righteousness, arrogance, man, those are toxic cocktails that we all drink. And so what the number one antidote is not to take a deep breath necessarily, but it's to find a way to get some power. Mm. And so simply saying, notice I didn't say take a deep breath as the title of my book. <laughs> the reason I do that is when your amygdala is triggered, and I say to myself, I am holding the calm. Can you see what a powerful position that is? As opposed to take a deep breath because you're powerless. I have power. I have choices. I have tools and skills. I just may have forgotten it for a moment. So it brings you back to that place of power. Now, in my interaction with you, I'm not going to let you control what's going to happen. So let me just give a quick example. Let's say you meet somebody who's a stranger, or it doesn't even have to be a stranger, and they're behaving badly. They're yelling, they're not getting mm. their own way, mm. they're tired, they're cranky, whatever. All you have to do is look at them and say, are you okay? Mm. It shocks them. It shocks them. What? What? And it pulls back a little bit. And either it works to get them calmed down, which is going to work three quarters of the time. But in 100% of the time, it makes you have power. So it takes your amygdala down. Yeah. And, you know, it really, so many people are expecting, you know, when I'm yelling, somebody's going to yell back, mm -hmm. you know. And, or comply, or, or run away, right, or freeze, cry, right, or freeze. All, all or, of that. You know? Right, right. But they're expecting a particular reaction that they're trying to control. Mm -hmm. And when you come back with, I'm going to say, you know, a, a compassionate, yes, kumbaya, but it allows you to be in the driver's seat of asking a question. Are you okay? What's going on? Can I get you anything? You know, it, it, it really does help that person immediately calm down. Well, let me, let me also do the advanced class here because I don't want anyone listening to think, oh, touchy-feely kumbaya. Okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll the, get the to book, that. Yeah, the book that. has 20 tools in 20 chapters with sentence stems and stories and things you can use. Mm -hmm. So that is one. And I like to use that one when I'm really triggered and I can't think of what else to say. And I mean, even when you're in a line at the store and someone's acting badly and you turn and say that to somebody, you can say it compassionately and lovingly, which is obviously the A. Mm -hmm. And if you just kind of say it almost questioningly, mm. it's a C, but we're, it still counts. Are you okay? It just lets the person know my behavior is out of order here and they can take a step back. But let's do something else. Let's assume you're at the Thanksgiving dinner table because Thanksgiving's coming up. <laughs> or you're at a meeting and someone's dominating. 
or trying to take credit for your idea or being disparaging, or that crazy uncle is kind of twisting the knife, pushing buttons, mm. raising something either because they want to rise or because they're too clueless to know that other people have different opinions from them. More right? bad behavior in other words. All of that, yeah. right? Yeah. How do we stop that? Now, it's not with logic, reason, or rationale, or facts. It's not. So in the book, I've got a bunch of sentence stems, and this is one of my favorite ones. You're spouting off, Jody. And I just say, you know what, Jody, you know what I admire about you? Guess what happens? You stop talking. Nobody speaks a word after that sentence because I want to know what you're going to say. <laughs> right. And for listening to our, for our listeners, pick a verb. This is the pick a verb game. I don't care what verb it is. Do you know what I like about you? You know what I admire about you? You know what I respect about you? Do you know what I'm curious about you? You know what I'm interested in about you? Do you know what I, I um, um, respect about you? Pick your verb. Any verb that works for you, you say that they stop. Mm. And now this is what you fill it with. Your passion, your determination, mm. your curiosity, your interest, your determination to get it right. Your, let's say somebody who never listens to anybody, your willingness to listen to other opinions. Okay? <laughs> so All you're not, you're not really you telling the truth. No, no, I you mean, are. You, well, you are. The passion, That's perhaps, perfect. but if they don't listen to others, your willillingness, I guess willingness is the key. It's kind of a yes. squishy I mean, word. One, quite frankly, is a, let me put my thing in here. That one is a little snarky, I admit, but you know what? <laughs> You're human yeah. and you are allowed to be human. Now, do the A level, which is the best, of course. But give yourself permission sometimes to do the B or C level because you're human and they ticked you off and you'll get better and better and mm. better at it. But the most important part of it is that you take control of yeah. what's happening. You are not on the whipping end of just some other, you know, person flipping stuff around. Who the heck gave them permission to do that to you? You take your power back. And those two little tricks and I discuss them more in the book. I give more examples, yeah. more stories. I mean, one of the things I do in the book is I, I'm going to tell some stories to you now, but every single story in the book is designed to be told in one minute or less. And they're all battle tested that I have used in real <laughs> live, high, high tense That's, situations. Yeah. And instead of saying, Jody, you're an idiot. Let me explain something to you. <laughs> I would say... You know, that reminds me of a story. May I share that with you? Mm. You're not going to say no to me. Now, all of a sudden, I've got the floor. I've got the power. And you may listen to some little story that has a meaning or a parable or a point, And you may like it or you may not like it. But you can't respond in the normal power-grabbing right. way that you might. Right. And it's cool. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, let me tell you a story. Um, there are many that I really enjoy in here, but you also are very heavy in validating the other person. That is something you go over in a number of ways, validating them, giving the other person dignity. Tell me a little more about how that changes the situation. Well, again, that's the A level that I want to give people the ability to, you know, I'm trying to make sure everybody knows you have an A, B, and a C. You go mm -hmm. for A. 
And A is to rise above and look and understand. And I've got a couple of stories I'm going to share now uh, to illustrate that. And you're human. And there's times where you've infuriated me. Mm. So it's hard for me to validate you. Mm. So the secondary way of validating is to just name the emotion. You seem really angry, Jody. Mm. You seem really frustrated. Uh, even if they go, I'm not angry, I'm frustrated, <laughs> I'm stressed. Okay. <laughs> Either way, it's sort of like a poor man's validation. Mm. Name the emotion. So you can really do both. But what it does for the little lesson we just did on the amygdala, what's the number one thing the amygdala freaks out about? Feeling powerless. So when you validate, you say, I see you. I see you. It drains half the poison out, guys. Just trust me. I do this for a living. It drains half the poison out. And, um, uh, and you know, I have so many stories in the book, but let me give everybody a bonus one that's not in the book, if I may. So I heard this on Hidden Brain on NPR, and mm. I love the story. Yeah. Yep. So what most people do when they're engaged in any kind of interpersonal thing is you are like a car, you have brakes and gas. So I can push forward or I can pull back. And most of us push forward. That's just what we do. And the holding the calm stuff is to pull back and diagnose. Like that bomb detector walks out into the town square in that giant Michelin suit. And I just start cutting wires, looks, diagnoses. What am I dealing with here? And that can be done very quickly. So this company used to sell twenty and thirty thousand dollar bespoke couches. Hmm. You can size the piping, the fancy fabric, all this kind of stuff. And people would go through it with their designers, designing this gorgeous couch, and at the last moment, not complete the sale. Why? Hmm. Made no sense. So what did they do? Gas or brakes? They did gas, like almost everyone does more promotions, more sales, more marketing, more social media, didn't change a thing. Finally, somebody said, let's put the brakes on and diagnose what the heck is happening here. And they had somebody call all the people who went through the design process and didn't complete the sale and have a little chatty conversation with them and then say, do you mind if I ask what prevented you from completing the sale? The number one reason for people that could afford a twenty or $30,000 couch was, drum roll please, they didn't know what to do with their old couch. Mm. Crazy town, right? Because mm. the solution now is so obvious. We give you the new one. We take away your old one and give you a tax receipt. Right. Sales skyrocketed. Mm. And so I guarantee you, people listening to this podcast, you're thinking now about a problem you have or a conflict or a tension. Instead of looking to solve it, see if you can identify the barriers to solution. It will lead you in a completely different direction and open and expand the pie. Yeah. And, you know, you also very well in the book talk about listening, mm -hmm. you know, just using the skills to really listen to others. And that can be, I'm imagining, part of the diagnosis process, you know, just shut off things. And again, we're dealing with humans, being human, and it's hard to listen. And you're thinking of ways to respond back in a smart, sharp, witty way or, or whatever will get you further <laughs> in negotiation. So 
in listening to the other, what would you suggest? How would you suggest calming yourself down or holding the calm mm -hmm. and then listening for what? I love the question because it's about what we are talking about. You're listening to the content, but you can do that with one ear. You've got the other ear. So are they introvert or an extrovert? Are they a big picture person or a small detail person? Are they a thinking person or a feeling person? Those three main categories, you can listen to somebody talk and in five minutes with a decent accuracy, like I can nail somebody within a minute, but this is what I do for a living. So, okay, so it takes you 15 minutes. Who cares? You'll get better and better and faster and faster. And one of the things I did when I was practicing this is I went to Target and I stood, I just sat there by the return desk for like an hour, a bunch of times and just watched because I wasn't involved. So I didn't have to think of what I needed to say. And you just listen. And I tried to diagnose, is that person introvert or extrovert? Are they thinking or feeling? Are they big picture? Or are they detail? Are they lying? Oh my God, they didn't even cover up that lie. Oh, that person's a liar. How did that sales clerk handle them? Just observing, my God, you learn a lot. You know, mm -hmm. and one of the things I talk about in the book is I did hospice work and suicide crisis work really taught me how to listen. Because mm -hmm. the listening is about not how well I listen, but how well you feel heard. And That's great. can I, I, love can I give our line. listeners a little tiny trick to help with that quickly? Yes, yes. So there's a big fancy technique called reflective feedback or mirroring, which means you mirror and repeat back what the other person says. It's hard to do when people are speaking a lot and sometimes people can feel patronized by it. So it's it's a mediocre technique. If you want to get great you know, uh, rewards for what you're doing, after I've listened to you talk, or even let's say you're just going on and on and on. I interrupt and you repeat the last three, four words the person said. It's all you got to do. Mm. Oh, so it was difficult. Oh, you couldn't believe that happened. Oh, it was a sunny day. It doesn't even have to be meaningful. It's because we have a, a neuroscience bias in our brains called the recency effect. We remember things that are the most recent in all areas of our lives. So even if I spoke for 15 minutes of venting to you and you just repeated the last three, they will say, yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got it. Mm, when somebody looks at you and nods and says, yeah, you got it, they feel heard. So it's really not about you listening. It's mm -hmm. about making the other piece or person feel heard. Now, what happens to their amygdala? What happens to their trust? What happens to their ability to listen to your perspective? Just you, you ring the bell, boom, 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 on the whole panoply. Yeah, that's that's great to know because I, you know, as a as a coach, you know, I try to get the whole thing and summarize it. And um, this is this is great. Just the last few words, and I do want to get what they're saying, but I want them to be heard first so they can relax and move on, yeah. which is great. Yeah. And another thing that I read in the book is people fear loss more than gain. And I found that interesting because in mediation situations, 
people are are normally fighting for something but it's losing something that they fear more about can you speak about that Yes, it's um, a guy named Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky were psychologists that got a Nobel Prize in economics for proving that, which is just super fascinating. And so, and let me give a little bit more meat on that bone. So it's not just that they don't want to lose. They don't want to look like a loser. Mm. That's even more important. So it's better for me to make no deal than a bad deal. And that forget mediation, just talk about an interaction with your teenager or your neighbor or your coworker or your boss. People have to make decisions constantly all day long. And when they get up against some kind of tension, because all conflict, 100% of it starts with tension, and it pushes up against that barrier, the first thought is, I'm not going to lose. So either I'm not going to lose in the argument or I'm not going to lose something or I'm not going to be perceived as a loser. I mean, people will fight to their death, cut off their nose to spite their face, that objectively all of us would look at them and say, that's ridiculous. What are you doing? They can't help themselves from it. And so if you can hold the calm, you can see that and sort of um, diffuse these bombs along the way for others and for yourself. And it just gives you... Like we talk about in problem solving, be creative. Okay, well, play basketball like Michael Jordan. (laughs) So so how do you do this? Mm. You remove barriers. You don't look at, you look at somebody and say, okay, what are they trying to get? Mm. What are they trying to not lose? What is the soft candy center that they're trying to protect? What's their vulnerability? Mm. What's happened? So now all of a sudden you see them in a much different light, much different. And if I can, I like to give everybody this one little, you know, a trick because we all have to deal with very, very difficult people. And let's say all the logic junk doesn't work and I have to deal with you. I can't run away from you. I'm going to look at you and I'm not going to Jody make you the bad guy anymore. We're going to say Joe. <laughs> it's Joe the bad Don't guy. Don't mind. I, I can be used as the example. <laughs> and I'm going to look at Joe and I'm going to say to myself one question. Would he pull my kid out of a burning car? Hmm. 95% of the time, the answer is yes. Hmm. Now, 5% are sociopaths, weirdos, selfish. I can't do anything about that. But 90, 95%, I'm going to call that good. Now I have to look at you a little differently. Mm-hmm. So if someone has a different political opinion than you, religious opinion than you, across the spectrum different than you, ask yourself that question. Now you see them not through the eyes of how stupid can you be or how evil can you be or how blank can you be? Would you pull my kid out of a burning car? And if there's enough humanity and goodness there for that, I got something to work with. Mm, lovely. That's beautiful. And again, it's a, it's a way to see somebody as more than their labels. And we definitely need more of that in the world in order to have peace. Now, what about somebody you're talking about removing barriers who just refuses to talk? They're 
I, I, who knows why, but they won't engage. They're, they're stubborn, they're dug their heels in. Yeah. How do you get them to become part of the conversation? I love that question because those people are actually harder than the yellers. So notice I called the book, The Secret to Resolving Conflict and Diffusing Tension. And that's because 100% of conflict, 100% of it starts with tension. And the tension can be her or it can be mm-hmm. sitting back in your mm-hmm. chair, nodding, right? right? That's yeah. actually harder. So again, speak into the ears that are hearing you. And the bomb detector, what kind of diagnosis can you do? And let's say you can't do anything. You don't have any power. You don't know anything. Validate what's going on and say, you know, if you don't want to talk, you don't have to. You know, I can just sit with you in silence and respect you. And if you feel like sharing something or discussing it, I'm happy to hear your perspective or I'm happy to help. And and a lot of times people don't want to talk because they feel no one's going to listen to them. Um, And I promise you I'll listen, but it's really up to you. So notice what I did is I gave away power. You give away power so the amygdala can go like that. And sometimes the person, you sit with them quietly. And then this is the other thing. I have a whole part in the book about the magic of silence. Silence, right. People don't like silence. They're uncomfortable. <laughs> they rush to fill it. So from yes. a, you know, mercurial negotiating technique, it's great. People will blurt out stuff and tell you that they shouldn't. From a problem solving technique, they can feel safe. Or I can't stand the silence, so I'm going to bop into it and say something. And now you can pick it up. I've got a technique in the book called Vox that is Mm -hmm. like magic beans, how well it works. You use that technique. So uh, that's how you handle that. And just for the listeners who don't have the book, tell us what Vox is. Validate, understand, clarify, summarize. And it's a four-step process that uh, I go over in great detail in the book about how to do it. You can do it in five minutes or 20 minutes. It depends on how complicated it is or how involved it is, but how you do it. And it's for more complicated things or when you have a little more time. It's great for managers, for parents, for anybody in a, in a uh, power position who needs to work with somebody who's not in that power position and there is tension and difficulty. Right. That's great. Um, You also speak about blaming, which I'm sure comes up quite a bit in your (laughs) dealings. Tell us a little bit about um, when you are getting, how to deal with when you're getting blamed by the other party or person. Well, I call it the blame, defend, justify death dance. Mm. That's what happens. I blame you. You Mm. justify it. You then blame right back. Blame, defend, justify, death dance. And then you get lobbed in and nothing gets fixed. Nothing gets, no one's even listening to each other anymore. Exactly. So it's really tough. So first of all, if you've caught yourself blaming, I'm human too. Everyone, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm cranky. I've gotten to where I'm pretty good at not doing that because I, but I feel the words in my mouth. I just have to pull them <laughs> back, right? But let's say they come out of your mouth. The best thing to do is to realize it and say, 
can I have a do-over? Mm. That didn't come out the way I wanted it mm. to. And I don't mean to blame you. I'm sorry. Let me have a do-over. Everyone says yes, because they're shocked. What do you mean? You're acknowledging something? You get a do-over? It's marvelous. Let's say you're the one being blamed. Your back hits up. You're defensive. If you can... You choose the life preserver of I'm holding the calm, I'm holding the calm, I'm holding the calm. And if you can get back into a power position, you can say to the other person, Jody, I'm not sure you meant to say it the way it came out. Mm. Do you want to do over? <laughs> now, notice how I didn't blame you or, or mm. get that blame, defend, justify death dance going. You then have to then pull back and go, huh, what, huh, what, what, what just happened? What? And then it can open up a conversation. Mm. So that happens if you can keep your faculties. But I always want to do the advanced course. What happens if you can't? What happens if you're tired, whatever, you came at me and I just didn't have my good holding the calm stuff in me, right? The best thing you can do and train yourself to do this is to just not talk mm. and say to yourself, I'm holding the calm, I'm holding the calm, I'm mm. holding the calm. And then say, I don't trust myself to say something right now because I'm angry. Stop. Wow. Yeah. Now the other person then has to go, huh? What? Huh? What? And that works too. Hmm. Those are the very best ways to handle it. And for the times that you screw up and stuff doesn't get caught in your mouth and it comes out, <laughs> you own it, you apologize and say, can I have a do-over? That's, That's great. That just... It just works. Yeah. yeah. It's magic it's, means, everybody. It's, yep. It's honest. It's truthful. It's letting you know that you cut yourself. I'm human. Can I have a do-over? That's a great way to, to proceed with that in many cases. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It works even better if there's a power differential. Mm. Parent, team, parent, child, uh, supervisor, employee, leader, you know, congregant, I mean, that kind of stuff, because the lower power position never, that it never happens. It just never happens. So mm -hmm. they go into the startle factor. What, huh? What? What? Yeah. Well, of course, now you've opened their ears mm -hmm. and kind of opened their heart a little bit from something that could have been really combative and toxic can get turned around. Mm -hmm. It's very nice. Yeah, very that nice. would be nice. It's jam on bread. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Icing on the cake, jam on bread. Speaking of food, I, I love the way you playfully talk about food and helping it to kind of bring people together, bring their commonality together, have them relax, get them off topic, and just build some relationship with the person who you're working with um tell us more about the magic of food it's so interesting but if i hate your guts <laughs> we sit together and share a pizza or we're both eating sandwiches it's the weirdest psychological thing but the tone comes down it's very hard to hate somebody that you're actually breaking bread and eating with. I think mm. it's a, you know, Neanderthal caveman, cave woman thing inside of our brains that 
there's just something about it that it will tone it down somewhat. And then you will find the conversation gets a little more simple. It, and then you're chewing mm. and swallowing. It just gets a little more simple. And I've experimented with this. Food is the best. But even cookies and mm. a cup of tea or coffee, it just has that psychological benefit. So if you've got somebody that is challenging and difficult, you say, let's talk about some of this stuff and let's go out to lunch or let's sit and have tea and cookies together or coffee cake and, you know, whatever. I mean, people do it with liquor. Oh, let's go to the bar yeah. and have a beer or something. And they think it's the liquor doing it, but it's not. It's the commonality of sharing the imbibing that does it. So do it with food. I use as much as I can, I use food. But then again, I'm a Jewish mother. So you know, <laughs> it's just part of it. Like food Italian can... mothers, Greek mothers, yeah. you know, Irish mothers. It's all about food. Right. Food <laughs> solves a lot of things. Put the kettle on, right? Exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, um, Heshat, yeah, this has been a great conversation. How can people get a hold of your book? Thank you. So I have a number of resources out there. One, Amazon, of course. And if you're kind enough to buy it on Amazon, please leave a nice review because that helps that search engine optimization stuff. But it's at everywhere, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all those places. I am also on LinkedIn um, and it'll be in your show notes, I imagine, uh, Hesha Abrams. And I post three or four times a week, little short tidbits of things. Um, on my webpage, holdingthecalm.com, I have every podcast I've been on on, and I've been on close to 150 now. Mm. Uh, I've got webinars that I've been on so people can download it and just get better at this stuff. I have little one-minute videos on a variety of topics for people to have. I have articles. And you can sign up for the the you know my mailing list, which I don't sell. It's just designed to get stuff out there for people. And what I also did is I put a discussion guide in the back of the book. So if you're part of an organization, training budgets are very tight. It's hard to get money. So you get, you know, 10, 20, 100 people together and you read the book and the, the training guide in the back tracks the book question by question. So you can do it in one session or in 10, however you want to do it. And then you can apply for continuing education credit in whatever your profession might be. And the actual better value of that is because I read something, I just thought that was stupid. But you, Jody, thought it was really impactful. And I have to sit back and go, what? How, I, I don't understand that. Now I have to listen to you. Now we bonded over something. Now I know more about you. Maybe I learned something in the process. And it helps chip away at the self-righteous arrogance that encases all of our egos. I mean, if we didn't have that, we would be dishrags and mm. we wouldn't have any confidence or ego or ability to go out into this crazy world. So you have to have that. But the wise person knows they have it and knows how to be able to take a step back. And if you can do this in a group, it means you're not dealing with tension. You're dealing with team building and camaraderie and mm. food and getting some training credit out of it for free. So that's why I put it all in there so people could have that. That's great. And you get to practice. And yes. we all need to be able to practice when, not if, when this stuff comes up. 
And what better way to do that than with a group of people, with your team, with, with your in a relationship, um, to just study, put yourself in a tense situation, practice stepping back and holding the calm. That's great. Well, Hesha, again, thank you so much for your time imparting many jewels of wisdom for our listeners. And um, I appreciate all the content in the book that I learned from. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on and for having this wonderful podcast. Great. Wonderful. You take care. Have a lovely day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com.